0: You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. The Collected Podcast is sponsored by Clean Juice, a certified organic nutrition and wellness bar with more than 100 locations in development in 16 states. Learn more at cleanjuice.com.
1: Welcome to episode 42 of The Collected Podcast. I'm Jess Biondo. I'm Tia McNelly. And I'm Michaela Hooper. This week, we had the great joy of interviewing
2: Gene Chriselik, who is the president of the Premier Foundation. He's also an author, a
1: speaker. He just recently released a children's book. And he has a powerful story of how God just pursued him throughout his entire life. Gene represents
3: just a heart for the Lord and giving love to those that are in need. It's amazing to listen to his faithfulness and also just his sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leading Mm -hmm. as he interacts with people throughout
2: his process of working with Premier Foundation. Mm -hmm. We're so excited for you guys to listen in on this interview. So here is Gene Griselec.
1: Hey, Gene, welcome to the podcast.
4: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, we're excited. To get started today, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your background and your faith journey. Uh,
4: You know, I was born and raised Catholic. I grew up uh, for a large part of my life in Lynchburg, Virginia. And if you know much about Lynchburg, Virginia, that's uh, home of Liberty University. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes... It's not what people are saying; it's how the messages are delivered, and sometimes it's what they're saying as well. Uh, but as a Catholic growing up in that town, and right when uh, Jerry Falwell started what was Lynchburg Baptist College at the time, you know it was uh, really his way or no way. And you know the Bible is is certainly clear, but he made a statement once that he would rather shake the hands of the devil himself than the Pope. And, you know, Catholics are believers as well. I I can't state what each individual has uh, in terms of their faith and their feeling in their heart. But when you say that to somebody who is also a believer and who believes in Jesus Christ, sometimes the message is taken the wrong way. And, um, you know, the whole word Christian and born-again Christian, those words based on how they were being tossed about were, you know, you didn't really say those in my house although we were Catholics, and this was in the 70s. So, you know, as we uh, began to, you know, just continue to move and and grow as a family, um, those negative impressions were very um, overbearing, let's say. And although I think the intent of what Jerry Falwell was saying and what he wanted uh, to get across and to save the souls of people, sometimes it was just, it was taken the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And many times when you have somebody that you are wanting to really see the truth of Jesus Christ and the path uh, to him, um, it's y- you have to use what I would consider different um, means to get to the end. And, um, you know, for us, feeling that overbearing and, you know, absolute um, doctrine that he was preaching uh, pushed us away. But, you know, during that, you know, if you know much about the Catholic religion, there's really not a lot taught in Sunday schools or or during masses. It's very different than uh, our church services today in terms of non-denominational belief and other denominations. So it was uh, an interesting time, to say the least, as, you know, we were growing. And during that time, then not really knowing much about the Bible, I go off to college and went to University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And, you know, I really didn't have God on my mind. It didn't have the, the path to righteousness on my mind. I was, you know, wanting to party. I was going to Chapel Hill. Michael Jordan was a freshman there. I mean, it was, it was just one of those things where it was a, a great place to be. And mm-hmm. I, I wasn't seeking the Lord at all. At all. I might have gone to church services maybe two times uh, at best. But afterwards, you know, I got married, and when my wife and I were getting ready to have children, she um, is a Methodist. I was Catholic, and her parents were Methodist and Catholic, and they went to separate churches. So, what we really wanted to do was, you know, raise our children in a singular faith household. So, as we started looking at all the religions, Baptist, Episcopal, Methodist, and everything, it was just, uh, you know, some some were too much like her church, some were too much like my old church. So, we ended up on the Presbyterian church. So, that's where we started going. And during this time, and, you know, going to Sunday school and whatnot, trying to learn, you know, sometimes in Sunday school classes, the teachers take for granted that the people in class don't really know the stories of the Bible and Mm. where they may say, you know, you recall this story and then go into some teachings on the story without really teaching the story. I would stop Sunday school and say, Hey, hold on a minute. You know, (laughs) no, I don't I don't recall the the story of Joseph and his brothers. You know, I, I really wanted to learn. So I began to learn and, you know, really with no deep, deep passion, but just Generally, wanting to learn. So, as we continued to move forward and move forward, um, ultimately, it took Hurricane Katrina to solidify where I was at. You know, I had been searching, and I'd met people along the way, gentlemen who would be a part of our business. And you know, I just they had something about them that was different. They're regular people, you know, not like the the overzealous Christians. But they were Christians nonetheless, and there was a peace about them. And uh, that's what I was attracted to. I was attracted to that Mm. as opposed to a dogmatic stance. And um, just learning and learning and learning. And then ultimately, um, I went on a mission trip in 2005. A friend at church said, hey, Jane, we want to go down, help the people from Hurricane Katrina. So we went down, and uh, it was a week long. I was in my early 40s and then uh, i get home and just overwhelming you know, what am i doing
1: mm. what am
4: i doing here with my journey with my business you know instead of driving you know expensive range rovers like i was and living this life building a sports and music company i just really really wanted to be helping people who were less fortunate who were dealt a set of circumstances that they couldn't get out of. And, um, you know, over mm-hmm. time, I, uh, inevitably ended up in a business where, um, you know, I do that full time, you know, but to put it in perspective as a, as a part of this whole faith journey was my business journey. We had a music company that was a lot of secular music, a lot of foul language and some of the music. And ultimately I, uh, I just felt that, golly, you know, I would, I just don't feel good about releasing music that isn't good, wholesome, that my kids could listen to. Not when I say mm-hmm. wholesome, just, you know, without the the lyrics. And, you know, as God changes things, he, he changed my path. He changed the path of the company uh, where we ultimately became a Christian music company and a Christian record label and signed a major record deal with EMI's Christian Music Group out of Nashville and it was really interesting how it was all transformative and hmm. the, this whole journey this whole path was clearly ordained to where uh, you know I am today but you know for the most part you know that that's uh, in a nutshell my my journey and I was really blessed in 2008 uh, I wrote a book that was really just meant for my children and my family I was going to spiral bind it and give it to them and it was here this is your dad these are the mistakes he made this is how he re uh, recouped from those mistakes and this is his faith's journey how he actually found god god always knew where i was i just didn't know where he was and and how he actually found him so got the gave it you know spiral bound that thing got ready for it and you know a publisher heard about it and they ultimately wanted to publish the thing and it was crazy i, I wasn't looking for a publishing deal yet I, a book now that was published and at bookstores all around the country. Wow. So, um, went on a speaking tour and, and, and spoke about it. And um, it's called Loves Like a Hurricane, mm-hmm. and it's all about how uh, Hurricane Katrina and, and seeing the circumstances people are dealt really changed my life to a huge part. So, very mm-hmm. blessed.
1: So far, it's amazing. Wow. Well, and it sounds like this book was something that God totally surprised you with. Mm-hmm. Um, what other surprising doors has God continued to open for you as you gave Him your yes?
4: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, you know, sometimes when there's a door and it's opened and it looks promising on the other side of the door, uh, the key for me is discernment. Is it God laying this? open here for you and th- these are the beautiful things behind the door or is it satan saying hey here's the store. things look beautiful over here step through this door mm-hmm. so during that whole process of things that are laid at your feet you know people a lot of times people will just follow it directly because it looks good but you know really what is this that's being laid before me and uh, you know, as we go through those doors, sometimes it leads you down a path that you wish you hadn't taken, right. and w- without without so much damage. And then there's other paths that you go down where you're like, "Wow, truly God has ordained this." You know, and, and I think the doors when we changed the label or changed the the direction of our music company that put me into the Q- Christian music business in nashville i met a lot of people and just so many wonderful people that are are good friends of mine to this day i mean one is a guy by the name brad o'donnell he was just an A&R guy which was one of the music people that works with the bands in recording their music and you know as we see the path that god sets forth for people brad is now the president of emi which is now capital Capitol's christian music group so to be able to have those relationships and still maintain them and you know as friends but not necessarily having business opportunities together but just as friendships and with those friendships other things will flourish so you know those doors opened and remain open for so many people for us Um, something recently we were nominated for and won an award by the gospel music association it was during their hall of fame and you know accepted the award and one of the first things i said is you know this is, is humbling for sure but it's also a bit awkward to be receiving an award for work that christ calls us to do in the first place and we'll talk about more about that in a minute but the work i do now is i, I run a, a charity a christian charity and as you know, that has that door opened up for me to have the opportunity to have this job, and I've been here ten years now. Uh, golly, just the doors that have been opened to people that we can help around the world—from Iraqi and Syrian refugees that escaped ISIS uh, when we worked with them in Amman, Jordan, to uh, hundreds of little girls who. Have been rescued out of sex slavery, and I'm talking young girls, five, six, seven, eight years old, mm-hmm. up until you know 18 years old, that were either sold by their parents or they were stolen, and you know, in a situation where they're raped 10, 12 times a day. Mm-hmm. It's really crazy what this uh, world uh, has in store for all of us. And when I talk about those doors, when they open up, sometimes they open up into a brothel or they open up into a slum in the middle of Africa. But those doors that most people don't want to walk through, I gladly walk through because this this life isn't mine. It's just uh, mine to use as directed by someone a whole lot more powerful than I am.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, and in that, I mean, some of that just sounds so... Devastating. Mm-hmm. What are some? Yeah. Has there been something really challenging that has been worth the struggle? Like something you really had to fight for? Yeah
4: that that's a that's a great question. Uh, let me back up for just a second. And, yeah. And, and now you know I run a company called the Premier Foundation. Mm-hmm. And the Premier Foundation, it's a. Nonprofit arm of the world's largest Christian music promoter. And that includes, uh, you know, they're one of the owners of Winter Jam, which is Premier Productions, Premier Christian Cruises that does the K Love Cruise and the Jesus Free Cruise. And they produce about 600 events a year for nearly 2 million people at concerts and events and uh, experiences around the world. So we run the nonprofit arm. And, uh, you know, with that uh, come journeys. All around the world, to different places and uh, organizations that we interact with. Well, one of those that were was very important to us, and still is important to us, was the Mount Nebo Bible Baptist Church in uh, the Lower Ninth Ward of New Orleans. Completely destroyed during Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. small African American church, and it's you know just uh, it struggled and struggled. You know, before Hurricane Katrina, there were about seventy-five churches in the Lower Ninth Ward, which is primarily an African American. Community and very, very low socioeconomic mm-hmm. oriented community. And, you know, after Hurricane Katrina, there's less than 20 churches up and operating. Well, this one church, we met the pastor, I mean, a long, long time ago, probably 15 years ago almost, because Hurricane Katrina is 2005, so maybe about, you know, 13 years ago. So, met this pastor and we just became very, very good friends, and you know helped him along the way personally and the church because he had been having his church service in his home. Well, <clears throat> during that path, somebody a, a church in Illinois helped like build the frame of the church, just steel girders. but then they ran out of money. And we stepped in as the premier foundation and offered to help raise the balance of the money, which was going to be around four hundred thousand dollars and then help complete the church and community center. That was vital to the Lower Ninth Ward. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we raised about $200,000, but needed thousand dollars And we had an organization that had committed to not only pay the 200000 but to pay back the $200,000 that was already spent to really enable, not pay it back to the people who donated it, but to pay it forward to be able to do more things with those funds. I worked with these guys for about a year. They, they did a big, big check ceremony on a stage with a bunch of professional athletes. And this money's coming. We'll have it to you next month. Well, you know, 12 months later, we still don't have the money. And it was a bunch of broken promises. And I finally called them and I said, listen, guys, this is it. I'm shutting the door on this. I'm not going to ask you for the money anymore. I have let down a lot of people by not raising additional funds because you said you had this thing covered. It's a year later and this is where we're at. So, don't call me anymore. I'm not going to call you. I pray all your endeavors go well, but you've, I don't want to say you've put me in a bad position because I've put myself in a bad position by trusting you. Hmm. So that happens. The next day, I'm on a call with a lady who has supported us through the years, and she just said, you know, I want to call. I'm just always praying for you and love the work that you're doing. I said, listen, while you're praying, this just recently happened, and I just gave her the story that I told you. And she said, well, Gene, I've dedicated all my gifts for the year. I said, listen, I'm not asking you for any money. I'm just asking you for your prayers because this put us in a tough situation. And we're starting on day one today. Hmm. Well, two minutes later, she said, you know, just people have got to get worshiping back in that church. I said, yes, they do. She said, you know, I'm going to send you a check tomorrow to, you know, to help this thing get done? And people do that all the time. Oh, we'll send you a check for whatever it may be, $100, $1,000, $10,000. I said, well, that's great. Well, how much will the check be for? She said, well, how much did you say you needed to get the people worshiping again? I said, well, $200,000 to complete the church. Mm-hmm. Bang. The next day on my desk was a check for $200,000. <laughs> you know, it's, it's something. When, when you shut the door on Come something, on. you know, which was, again, that that enticement before, as we said, the devil cloaks things uh, the way he wants. And, you know, while we were chasing that one chunk of money from those people, we weren't chasing money for anybody else to get the church finished. Well, the devil doesn't want that church done. Right. Right. He doesn't want the community center finished. So so w- w- the challenges within this, that, that's just beginning. So we got that $200,000, so, we're moving forward, moving forward. Well, the Mennonite church out of Pennsylvania and Washington said, we would like to frame the church for you come down there and do the labor, save us about $20,000. And they came down and they framed it. Well, while they were down there in the Lower Ninth Ward, somebody broke into their tool trailer and stole, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars worth of tools. Wow. From them. You know, because you're you're in Mhm. You know, high crime level area, which just tells me that's where we need to be. They got the they got the tools replenished, and then we kept moving forward, and they finished. So we got everything done. We got in the new air conditioning units. was $20,000. Getting ready to open up the church, this was about a month and a half ago. Well, within a week of putting in the new air conditioning units, somebody broke in and stole the units. So the large condensing units outside the church that were caged in, they stole those units. $20,000. We had insurance. We got them back. We got some new ones back in there. Again, the devil's just having a heyday with this thing. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. When you and have this then, much opposition, uh, you just feel like God's going to use this church for powerful <laughs> yes. things.
4: It's, it's nuts. And then what ends up happening is the city, after you get all the permits, and um, you asked about the challenges and the hurdles, this is mm-hmm. it. The, the, the city said, well, you can't Open until you have a parking lot. Well, there's parking lots all over the place. Wow. Can we not get waivers to use these? The answer is no. We end up needing seventy thousand more dollars for the parking lot. Oh my well, gosh! You know, within two days, a gentleman called and said, "I've got the seventy thousand dollars for you." Wow!
1: Come on! Wow. Crazy.
4: So it had, and even at one point, one of my board member said, "Gene." this church and community center. And he's a very faithful man. He said, this thing is just an albatross. It is just wearing us down and wearing us down. I said, you know what? It might be wearing us down, but if we let it wear us down, we're not truly, we are not mm. truly following God's call on yeah. this thing. We have got to see it to completion. And it it was, most it's been the most challenging thing that we've done since I've been at this company. And it, it's taken about five years to get the money and overcome all the hurdles, but wow. uh, hopefully within the next month we will be open and have the grand celebration. It's crazy.
3: That's, I mean, it is crazy. And just as you're talking, I'm, I'm so encouraged by that story because here at Collected, you know, we we are about saying yes and about like whatever comes with the yes, you know. And mm-hmm. I think that yes that you guys gave you didn't know the challenges that were going to be in front of you when you, that initial yes was given, but you continued Mm -hmm. to persevere and you continued to seek the Lord and trust. And, you know, even you being willing to close that door that was like probably a really hard door to close after a year Mm -hmm. of waiting for that money. Yeah. And then just like that within a matter of a day, a day, a day, the Lord's provision was right there. and yeah. you know, I, I just i'm I'm amazed at that story and God's faithfulness. when we say yes, regardless of what the struggle is, wow, He will be faithful to complete it.
4: Uh, no, no question, wow. no question. And you know things like this just aren't circumstantial right uh, if if you be because of how everything transpired and, you know the the person who, actually donated the money and this was somebody who said they didn't have any more money for the year and then i get a call in november from the same person who wanted an update on all of our projects and one is a veterans project in greenville south carolina working with homeless veterans uh, and an organization that uh, puts them in a transitional home and applies caseworkers to help them you know go from being homeless and and considering suicide on a daily basis and suffering with ptsd to actually a functional life. And uh, she was uh, reading up on it. She said, Gene, you know, uh, my husband was a veteran, and I just have a heart for this. She said, I'm going to send you a check tomorrow. I said, well, that's great. Uh, This organization would certainly use it because just like many charities, and we partner with other organizations. And um, I said, well, how much will the check be? Mm -hmm. She said, uh, uh, 200, $200, $200,000. I said, okay. Um, The next day, I got a check for $225,000. It was crazy. (laughs) And then then I just got some emails today from some veterans uh, who expressed how this organization is transforming their life and giving them hope. And some that may not have been believers, the guy that runs this organization is a believer. And about the faithfulness that they have is actually turning their hearts to the Lord. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, it is so overwhelming to be in the position we're in because, you know, I'm sitting in a nice office, I got a nice home, I've got ice in my water, I've got clean water,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
4: I've I got know. air conditioning, I got all those things I don't have to worry about, you know, if my credit card will bounce if I try to put gas in my car, and I have a car, you know, I, yeah. I look at all of these things, and I see how fortunate I am, and I do this work but I still don't feel like I'm really doing anything. I I mean, I I see other people who have given up their lives and have moved to a country and have affected so much incredible change uh, on behalf of their organization and those people they serve. I just, I feel like Schindler at the end of Schindler's List, if you've seen the movie, I mean, he just feels that he, he could just save one more person or two. If I could sell this, if I would have sold this watch, I could have saved five more people, whatever the case is. But then, the character Ben Kingsley says something to Schindler at the end of that movie, and, he, and it's from the, the Jewish text, the Talmud, and it's a beautiful statement. It is, if you save one life, you save the world entire. Mm-hmm. So it's just like our orphan crisis, and I know you all are very keen and understand that. I mean, mm-hmm. there's roughly 153 million orphans in this world, and you can't save them all in one fell swoop. It's like that elephant. You can't eat an elephant in one bite. It's just one bite at a time. It's Mm -hmm. rescuing one child at a time, adopting one child. But if you're not in the position to adopt a child, how about supporting a family who can adopt a child? Every little bit helps. And they are monumental gestures. And we do a lot of them with our company. And, And I call it my job. It's not my job. It's really my calling. This is, I believe, where I It's supposed to be after all my years in the secular world but every little bit helps and it's all in a collective spirit within the holy spirit that helps move mountains and transform people's lives for generations it's a a beautiful position to be in for sure
1: We are so thankful to be sponsored by Clean Juice, 100% certified organic juice bar. They're fantastic. And I have especially been really thankful for their products recently. Because I've mentioned before on the podcast, I have a lot of issues with inflammation in my joints, and people are always saying, try turmeric, try turmeric. Well, it's like, I, I don't know what to do with turmeric. Well, you go to Clean Juice, and they have such delicious juices that have so much turmeric in there. And when I drink these, I can feel my body just feeling better. You know, the other thing that's really helped me with that same kind of thing, Jess, is
2: the athlete shot. Oh, Yeah, if I go grab an athlete shot right after I work out, it decreases my post-workout inflammation so dramatically. I highly
1: recommend that. Okay, I'm going to try that because usually I'll go with the orange um, or the gold. The gold is delicious, too, because it has vanilla and maple syrup in there. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit sweeter. But it's all organic, and you're still getting those extra you know, nutritional values with the turmeric. All right. Go grab yourself some clean juice. So throughout all of these challenges and obstacles, what do you do to continue to remain rooted in that identity and to remain rooted in this calling? So maybe some practical, like, soul care tips— for our listeners,
4: yeah, you know that that's a good question, uh, and I, you know I'm a very transparent person, and you know with that, I will say that, uh, you know I'm not as faithful as I should be in many areas of mm. my journey. When I say faithful, I mean, am I in the Word every day? Do I get up every day and I'm in the Word? Well, no. Uh, yeah, yep. I, I do many days, but not every day uh, is it? what about the music that i consume you know i've always loved rap i've always loved hip-hop I've, you know foul language has never really uh, offended me in any great degree but you know the older i get and the and the more i try to walk the path you know it is it some of it a lot of it becomes much more offensive so it's those things that create negativity in your sp- Mm-hmm. I would say that it's it's good to try to eliminate those. It's, it's good to try to center yourself, especially when you wake up, whether it is some time getting into the Word or, or listening to it on audio or in the written text or put on uh, one of your favorite Christian songs to really get your head right. I, I love the song Redeemer by Nicole C. Mullen. Mm-hmm. Now, I, yeah. I listen to that. A lot. That's one of the things I do to try to center myself when I wake up in the morning and I try to just feed myself with positive things. But, you know, with that, you know, it's just like anything, you need to surround yourself with people that are on the same journey, that, that are, are human, that will struggle, that will fall, to have somebody that you're accountable with. But you have to be honest with yourself and then be honest with the people that you trust to be your accountability partners, because that's key. I mean, it's easy. It is easy to stray off of the path. You know, once, you know, so many people get it twisted. They think, you know, when you become a Christian, you give your life to the Lord and you, you consciously take those motions and stride and move forward, you a lot of people think, well, gosh, everything's easy now. Oh, no, my man, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. It's harder now. It's a lot harder than it ever was in the beginning when you weren't a Christian. It's easy not to be a Christian. It's hard to be one. And I, I don't think a lot of people realize that. And it's just the question that you, you asked me. You have to do things to continually keep you centered mm-hmm. and on the proper path, mm. you know, within your journey. So, you know, the things that I that I do, I I, uh, I I do have certain scripture that I like. I tend to go back to a lot. Like James is a beautiful, um, j- beautiful book. It's short. It's an easy read, but it gives you pretty much what you need, and a very a very quick read. When I say it's an easy read, it's not easy to follow, but it's it's really quick to read, and it's. Mm it's very very good try to read positive books you know and, and write uh I, I do a lot of writing just like my first book i'm i'm uh, writing a, a follow up to that one and i just actually awesome. last week had my first children's book released so yay
3: oh, it's, wow.
2: uh, it's, congratulations
4: yeah it's called go god go and it was inspired oh. by uh just uh some friends and we were talking and uh Without going in deep into the story, he said something I was like, man, go, God, go, God, go. And when I was a kid, one of my favorite books was, you know, Go Dog Go, Dr. Seuss yeah. book. And I love Dr. Seuss. So having a degree in journalism and writing a lot, I uh, got into the word and I read mm. the creation stories and I wanted to be incredibly biblically accurate. So I wrote this book. And uh, I just put it away in a file a few years later. I asked this young lady if she would illustrate it. She was uh, starting up as a graphic designer. Beautiful designs. I sent it to a publisher. and, And, you know, within 30 minutes, I got an email back and said, hey, we want to publish this. So it just came out last week. So we're excited about that. It's about the seven days of creation and taking you through a lyrical journey. So it's pretty cool.
1: That's amazing. Wow. We'll put a link to that in yeah. the show notes so that our listeners can grab a copy of that. That sounds amazing. Awesome. Yeah, yes
4: yeah, GoGodGoMedia.com. That website will be up this week.
1: Well, Jean, as
3: we come to a close in our interview, do you have some words of wisdom for our listeners that are pursuing their calling, maybe struggling in the pursuit of their calling, but just some words of wisdom from you? It can be practical. I feel like you have something for them in regards to pursuing their call.
4: Yeah, thanks for asking that question. You know, um, we're all good at something, and we all have a passion for something. Um, But God has given us all a gift or multiple gifts. And a lot of times people don't come to terms and and they won't stand up and say, you know what? I am really good at this, whatever this may be. Because we're taught to be humble, we're taught not to be braggadocious, but I don't think that's being braggadocious if you stand up and say, hey, I am good at this, because that's the gift that God gave you,
1: whatever this
4: is. So, I know that I'm good at public speaking, and I know that I'm good at writing. Mm -hmm. I know those things. I'm also a compassionate individual. So, I know I'm not good at almost everything else (laughs) you know (laughs) but i am good at those things Mm. so what one needs to do whatever that talent or gift is whether it's uh just loving or whether it is uh, nurturing or painting or being good as an accountant or whatever that is um, if you use those things to glorify the Lord and you can now my writing I've written books that are Christian in orientation. So, okay, well that makes sense. I can see that that's something to pursue in my calling. It was clear that this is my calling, I mm-hmm. believe, but let's just say I'm an accountant. I'm, I'm somebody who's just really good at numbers, you know, and I'm just, that's it. Well, if you're in an accounting firm and you're really good at that number one a lot of times people are attracted to people who are Christians within the secular business world. So you as an accountant will run into people who may see you differently and and you have that it, whatever that it is, and that it just happens to be your faith. Yeah. But if you really want to dig deeper into it and you want to use those gifts for good, what about uh, a homeless shelter or a Christian organization or an adoption organization that you can actually say, you know what? I would like to offer my accounting skills and my gifts yes. to you as a pro bono blessing.
1: Mm. And
4: so, it, anything that you can feel that one is good at, there is an application to your Christian calling and how to honor God with that. So good. You just need to think about it sometimes, and, and don't be afraid to say, I'm good at this. Yeah. Because everybody is good at something. Yes. and quite frankly, I feel it is as great a sin to not use your skills to glorify God and your gifts to glorify God because He gave them to you. Yeah, It's as much a sin to not use those as it is any of those Ten Commandments that we are constantly struggling with. Well. <laughs> there
1: you go. I hey. feel like it's like the mic drop. Yeah. We just gotta leave it there. <laughs> totally.
4: That's right. I'm out. I'm yeah.
1: done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for joining us today. That was such a powerful message. And I know that it was. it is for our listeners out there. Yes. Awesome. It was
4: my pleasure. Thank you.
2: Man, I could really identify with um, some of that just sort of like nonprofit grind that Jean was describing with um, working with donors and um, the abundance in that work. like it, it can be grueling, and at the same time, it is like a miracle every single day when funds roll in. I know mm-hmm. we experience that at Flourish Kenya constantly.
1: Well, and I mean, I said this in the interview, but as he kept talking, I was getting really fired up of mm-hmm. like, yeah. the devil is coming up against this in every way he can and yet god keeps making a way yep and there must be something huge on this church oh yeah for the kingdom of god that there's so much opposition so i just feel like if you are out there facing opposition right now in something that is of the Lord and is good for the kingdom, yeah, then press on and mm-hmm. take that opposition as yes. some encouragement. Yes. That you're doing good work for the kingdom.
2: That's right. And you're a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I also
3: loved his boldness um in the pursuit of dot to dot, dot. You know, like he he was bold to ask, he was bold to keep. Pressing on, even though there was great opposition, I also was like, "Yeah, Gene," because he he would be like, "So, how much is the check going to be for?" Right. You know, there was something about that that stuck out to me because, you know, um, God positions people to bless other people, and so I just want to say to our listeners, like, if you're hesitant to ask, ask. Just, you know, if you you know that the Lord's peace is on whatever it is that you want to ask, ask. And I I was so encouraged by Gene and just his boldness to ask.
2: Mm -hmm. Just to be like,
3: all right, this is what we need. Yep. This is what it's for.
2: Yeah. Would
3: you help? Would you be a part of it?
2: Yeah. So something I really want listeners to take away from this is um, just to own your awesome. You know, the things that God has created you to do are for his glory mm-hmm. and he delights in them. Don't downplay the things that he has made awesome in you. I think sometimes we can we can convince ourselves that if if we're humble, then you know, we won't we won't even recognize the ways in which we're great. But the truth of the matter is, humility looks like just seeing yourself for who you really are. And if we see ourselves as God sees us, we're going to see the miraculous and beautiful supernatural ways that He's gifted us and anointed us and appointed us. Yes. And so walk in it. Own your awesome. That doesn't mean be arrogant or conceited or or haughty in any way. It just means own your awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's being rooted in your identity. Right. Is knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. I love that Jean was like, yeah, and then I'm terrible at everything Everything else. else, Yeah.
2: Which is probably not true. Um, Right, right. (laughs) But yeah, it's like he is very acutely aware of the things that he's gifted in. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I really enjoyed our chat with him. It was good. Yeah.
1: I'm going to go back and re listen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Every
2: time. No doubt. Guys, thanks so much for joining us on the Collected Podcast again this week. Please rate, review, share, share, share away. We appreciate it every single time.
1: And go buy some clean juice.
2: Yeah, for sure. And let
1: us know
3: how we can pray for you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would help spread the word. Check back here for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. Find The Collected Podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as $1 a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, exclusive contests, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes, Jess at Spreza Foundry, and Michaela at The Creative Space NC. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to prevent and support unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. Support for The Collected Podcast is provided by Clean Juice. Learn more at cleanjuice.com and be sure to check out their lifestyle arm at wellhappyandkind.com. Podcast recorded by Jacob Early. Music by Asaf Alon.